Nurse Ryan and welcome to Teach Me in 20. Each week I'll release a new podcast where I get to speak with awesome people who have something new to teach me that I know nothing about. If, like me, you're naturally curious about everything, this could be the podcast for you. So come along for the ride. It'll only cost you 20 minutes. Hey everyone, welcome to Teach Me in 20. I'm Karis Ryan and joining me today, she's lived and worked in Antarctica for a year as an expedition mechanic. She's also promoting women in trade, Amy Kichudi. How's it going? Hello, welcome. So Antarctica for a whole year, what was that whole experience like living in the middle of nowhere? It is the hardest question to answer because it's so many things when you're putting in a whole year. So it was awe-inspiring, amazing. It was hard. It was life-changing. It was so many things. But overall, the most amazing thing I've done to date. Did you get invited to do that or you had to apply? Uh, so it was an application. For me, it took quite a few years to get there. So Really? You, like Yeah, four, four years of applying for me and then travelling around, getting the right experience. Because um, it's not, you know, you've got to be on top of your game down there because... Once you're there, there's no one there to help you. So what are they looking for? Um, so not only as – well, I can only speak from a trades perspective, but being, you know, one of the best in your trade, but it's also about you as a person and you have to be a team player, community player and, yeah. Was there training you had to do beforehand to prepare for going down there? Um I can only really speak from a mechanic's point of view. So you have to be quite versatile in a range of equipment and machinery. But um, for me, it was yeah, getting experience on cold weather equipment and generators because I had only worked on earth moving. So it was a matter of moving around, uh, focusing on getting remote work experience as well. So getting a feel for what it does feel like to work in isolation and away from the rest of the world. So you're tra- how do you train for that? Uh, you don't really train for it. I think it's just something you do. So mining is a good example. Like you're working remotely and with a small team of people that yep. you just see day in, day out. I guess before you were going there, are they looking for you to be in good physical, physical shape? Uh, yeah, are they you... testing mental? Like, do you have to do a ment- mental health check? Like... Yeah, so there is all that. So the, the recruitment process is it's quite a lengthy one. So uh, the first step is you get invited to a, a um, selection centre, which is a group um, exercise. It goes over two days and you run through lots of scenarios and it's all about how you interact within the group and with other people and in different situations. And so then how, how many people are, are like that? Um, I think there was 16 in my selection okay. centre. And then after that, you have your technical interview. So for whatever role you're going for, for me as an expedition mechanic, so it was with the mechanical department. So it was a, running through uh, a lot of technical-based questions on different problems, how you would solve it, how you'd go about it, and just gauging where you're at. And then from there, if you're shortlisted, then there's a a very extensive medical. Um, So, you know, they want to make sure you are completely fit because once you're down there, you know, they can't, especially over the winter, there's no getting you out very easily. Like, So they need to make sure you're in in good nick. Um, From there, if you... From the physical, then there's also psych psychological testing. So you do, I think it's an online 200 questions. And then after that, you have a session with a psychologist. Um, usually goes for a couple of hours just to make sure you really have know what you're going in for and understand what is required. Um, 
but not only that, just to see where you're at mentally because it, especially over the winter, it is a long slug. Like you're away from your friends and your family. You're away from everything familiar um, and you do see the same thing day in, day out with a small group of people. So we had 19 people over our winter okay. and that's all that you see for 10 months. Did everyone get along? Or you we, I was so. very fortunate. We had a really good crew. Um, I was very lucky. And there's something about the selection centre with the Antarctic Division that works, mm-hmm. um, that does put the right people together. So, Were you able to still keep in touch with people? Like could you, you know, call your mum and just say, hey, I'm fine, or you're totally blocked off from the whole world? No, so we have phone calls. Like people can call us, but it is a bit more expensive, so it's easier for us to call home. Um, we, over the summer with lots of people, like there wasn't any video calling or anything like that. But, um, yeah, definitely phone calls home. Um, and they did upgrade the internet so we had Facebook and those sorts of oh, things. Oh, perks. Yeah, well, they didn't <laughs> – used, the Facebook didn't used to work. So it used to take like half an hour to load anything. So even for – So just like being in Perth now. Yeah. <laughs> so even having that um, – but it was actually quite refreshing not having all being bombarded with advertisement and TV. And yeah, I bet. It was really nice to disconnect. And do you still keep in touch with the team you went with? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a little group chat and, um, you know, some people you're closer than others, but um, you definitely make some friends for life. But it's a weird sensation that everyone, when you get back, just goes back to their normal lives yeah. as well because we're all spread out all across Australia. So, So has anyone... Like the team you were with, are they going back again? Like have you met people that have done multiple seasons there? Yeah, definitely. So my summer at Mawson, one of the guys there, he it was like his ninth winter. So he's like year on, year off. Like there are a lot of people that continue to go back. There are some people that just do it once and, and some people who do it you know, every couple of years. So What keeps someone like him coming back? Oh, it is a really good lifestyle. Like I can understand how it's a very easy lifestyle. Like you don't have to cook, you do some cleaning. It's a nice community feel. And um, I was talking to a friend today. It was like everyone is there for each other. It's like a little family, close-knit. Everyone's there to help each other. And it's just a really, yeah, it has a nice homely feel in that sense um, that you don't really get back in the real world was it like a work hard play hard sort of culture were you guys you know well what is the normal day there you sort of working during the day at night you're all hanging out or are you sort of in your own little so summer and winter have a very different vibe so summer there's more people on station so I was at Mawson we had 29 people in the summer Mm -hmm. um and a normal work day is like 8 till 4.30, so Monday to Friday. And then Saturdays we work 8 till 10. Um, and then 10 till 12 we have community duties. So everyone pitches in. We have the gash run, like vacuuming, mopping, just general chores, house chores. Um, so that's your, your general week. After work there would, you know, some people would go, there's like a little bar so you could have a few drinks if you want. Um, there was a rigorous darts competition, um, <laughs> pool, table tennis. Um, you know, some people, we, we had DVDs there, so we might pick a series and watch one episode a week like you used to. So not binge watching. So it gave you something to look forward to every yeah. Thursday or 
you know, something like that. So, so there's decent facilities down there. Yeah, you yeah. You mentioned before you didn't have to cook, so you've got a chef. Yeah, we were very spoiled. Nice. Very good food. Yeah? So yeah, amazing food. Okay. So were you missing out on anything? Oh, fresh fruit was the biggest one. Okay. So, you know, over a year with no fresh – like we had dried fruit, but, yeah, fresh fruit See, was just, one of the things I missed a lot. You've been getting a fix of that while you've been back. <laughs> Big time. Because – so down there, what is something that you mentioned fruit, but what did you, what did you miss most? What did you feel like you took for granted when, you know, now that you're back here? Um, definitely just spending time with friends and family um, – but yeah, fruit, they were the main things. And like you realise how much you just miss the little milestones in life. I think that's one of the hardest things with being down there is missing milestones and, you know, seeing everyone hang out and you're like, oh, I want to be doing that. But then you realise I'm doing something amazing that a lot of people want to be doing as well. Yeah. Was so. the mental side of it tougher or the physical side? Uh, I think maybe the mental side, Um like most of the time it's fine but then you yeah definitely do have days where you just want to be at home and you can't i think the winter when you have 6 weeks of darkness when the sun's not there that wow. that was tough so what are you doing just staying inside with the light on or just um no so we still went to work as normal and those kind of things so um yeah work it definitely is a, it was a quieter time uh so a bit more like doing puzzles or book reading and you know, there was a bit of a station lull because yeah. that's just natural. But um, the it was harder with the six weeks of darkness to regulate your sleep than six weeks of sunlight. So the summer you had six weeks of non-stop, non-stop light. light. Wow. Yeah. What were the highlights? What did you like? Did you get to see penguins? Oh, where do I start? <laughs> so many things. But definitely a highlight would be Oster Rookery, which is an emperor penguin uh, colony. There's up to 10,000 breeding pairs out there. Right. It was like being in a David Attenborough film. So, so you're getting up close. Uh, so we have approach distances we, ha- we have to keep. So I think it's, it's 15 metres from non-breeding birds. Good. Yeah. But if you sit and you stop and... Be patient. Like they're curious. They don't know predators on land. So they'll, they'll come up and like I've got some amazing videos and photos and yeah, you felt like David Attenborough. Plus <laughs> sitting amongst these icebergs, it's so quiet but just the sound of the birds and the chicks. But it was, yeah, it was amazing. You can't, it's really hard to describe. I always find myself saying awesome or amazing yeah. and it just doesn't. Doesn't do it justice. It doesn't do it justice. Yeah. And even when you show photos of of icebergs or anything of the landscape, it's, you can't get that scale because there's no trees, there's no buildings, there's nothing to give you scale as to how massive and vast the continent is. Yeah. So heaps of penguin selfies. Plenty of penguins, <laughs> penguins, seals and the Weddell seals, they were pupping just before we left, so having all the babies, so that was really cool to watch. You get there and, oh, there's two new pups and then the following week there's 30 pups and then I think by the end of the season we had like 172 seals in that area because um, we had to go do seal surveys to, to count how many are there. And, um, yeah, so getting the opportunity to get in touch with science and just do a lot of jobs that you would never get to do. So obviously my role is an expedition mechanic, but then I was the hairdresser and did the hydroponics. You know, we had the fire team, so you have fire training. So you go through a firefighter training course. You had people 
which is lay surgical, so helping the doctor. So you do two weeks training in Royal Hobart Hospital in theatre, really? in scrubs. Here, hold this liver while I do this. Like you get a lot of exposure to so many other roles that you would never get to do and that's the whole part of that community living and being willing to pitch in even though it's not your job, you know, you're there to help each other out and be a part of the community. So the sort of, I guess, work experience at the hospital, is that just to throw you in the deep end and get you prepared for whatever could happen? Job yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so not everyone goes through that. Um, when you're on the wintering crew um, and you select LSA as your secondary role, What's um, the LSA? Uh, lay surgical assistant. Okay. So we have one doctor on station and it would be to assist the doctor if anything were to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So they really prepare you well and the whole team. Yeah, well, you have to be. So then you've got a search and rescue team, you know, um, the, the librarian. So there's plenty of, like anything a little community would need to survive, that's what's you're pretty much trained to do. Was there any moments where they needed to come into play? Like, No, we were very fortunate. We didn't have any incidents, um, nothing major. I think one guy needed a couple of stitches but that's it But just from cutting his hand at work. But okay. other than that, no, we were very fortunate and, you know, safety is a big thing down there. You need to make sure you're doing things safely because if something does happen, mm. there's, no, there's no way out. So has there, any, has there been any incidents you had heard of prior to going down? Uh, yes, so there has been a few incidents over um, across the stations. I think the most recent one was 2016 where a chopper pilot fell in a crevasse and he passed away from hypothermia, I believe. Okay. But yeah. Because I saw some of your photos and you've just got these huge glaciers as well that you're looking at. That would have been like in awe. Yeah, right? it is. And... You become quite um, – it becomes normal. So, yeah. like, once you're there for a while, you forget. You're like, oh, yeah, it's an iceberg. Oh, it's a penguin. Like, that And you really become <laughs> complacent – not complacent, but you forget. Like, in the winter when, it, you know, you've got the auroras in the sky, the first oh, couple of weeks wow. it's like, this is amazing. Then by week three you're walking to work and you just don't see it. And then you just have a moment where you stop and go, actually, wow, this is where I am and people – would kill to be here. We had a similar, I mean, it's not similar at all, but Matt and I, when we went to Switzerland, we're just in awe of the landscape. We're mm. on the train just looking at looking at it. And then after a week there, you sort of, like everyone else, hidden yeah. the newspaper or reading a book and just, it sucks as well that we just get so desensitised to stuff. And Yeah. So it's it's an amazing place and still so much to see. I was fortunate to go to two stations and the both stations are very different. So Mawson sits on the plateau and it's got like more of an ice backdrop where Davis sits in the Vestfold Hill so it's more um, – it's an ice-free area. So, yeah, very different landscapes. So you said as well you were there for the summer and the winter. Yes. So you chose to stay on longer? Uh, so I was meant to be just there for the summer, so four months, and then the – we were leaving, our stuff was on the boat, we're going home on the Friday, the boat was leaving Friday and on the Wednesday I got asked if I could stay at Davis for the winter. So, Which is how long? An extra 10 months. Oh, wow. So I had to make a decision quite quickly, like overnight. Oh, um, how do you so something <laughs> like that? Yeah, well for me it was something I'd worked towards for so many years and it's something that I really wanted. So it was... A no-brainer, really. Okay. Um, 
but I definitely wasn't 100% mentally prepared or materialistically prepared. I just had one bag of clothes and that was it. So I definitely learned that you don't really need much stuff to survive. You can survive on very little. So did they bring you more stuff in? No. Okay. Wow. No. Wow. So they provide uh, our clothing, like outerwear and winter clothing. But other than that, I just had the two pairs of track pants, a pair of jeans and a few shirts. This might be a stupid question, but is it that cold? Like are you now, you can have a cold night out and it's no, you feel I, nothing? Contrary to popular belief, I hate the cold. I hate being cold and I... <laughs> Of my, my friends always say to me, of everyone I know, you like the cold the least. And they just didn't understand why Antarctica. But um, <laughs> for me, it was about the adventure. And But no, I found the week I got back to Perth was the week we had the 40-degree days and I, I was loving it. Like it was a 50-degree temperature change, but yeah, wow. I love being warm and love being hot. So for me, I, f- I didn't feel like I was that cold. I think because it's a different cold, it's so dry. So I think... We had days if it was like minus five, it's like, oh, I've got shorts on. Wow. <laughs> by, the end of, by the end of the winter, yeah. Okay. You definitely climatise, but um, it's still very cold. Would you go back? If you'd asked me a couple of months ago, I would have been like, oh, I don't know. But I'm leaning towards, yeah, I, I might go back sometime. Is there – so your job's obviously very highly skilled. Is there any entry-level jobs for so, someone who is listening who's interested – or are they all you need to be uh, The only way I know qualified. if you aren't qualified, uh, the Bureau of Meteorology, you can apply with them and uh, as a weather observer and they train you in, in all of that. So they have quite a big presence down there. I think usually three to four people per station in the winter and then okay. sometimes more in the summer. But I know that's an entry-level way in. Otherwise, trades, you know, plumbers, electricians, mechanics. Chef. Chef. Doctor, comms tech, um, anything science related. Yeah, so there's plenty of other oh, plan operators, so just machine operators over the summer, um, fitter and turner, boilermaker. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of roles down there. And each year they're recruiting new teams? Yep, so each year a new team goes in. Um, recruitment opens usually in December. So... Applications are open December, January mm-hmm. and then – so we're in the middle of the recruitment phase now. Um, so you've got usually selection centres around March. So just would have finished selection centres now. Okay. Are, do they ever have couples that go down or are they yeah. trying not – No, they're, they're very pro-couple. So on our station at Davis we had two couples there and there were two couples at Mawson as well. So it that's is a risk, though. If you know, if they break up, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, well, then you got the opposite too. There, where relationships are formed down there as well. So, okay, I wanted to ask that as well. Mm, so I know one couple that was at our station. They had met at a previous station a few years, like five years before that, and they're now married. And yeah, oh. imagine if there was like an Antarctica baby. That'd be cool. cool yeah, story. how are you can see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure there probably has been. Who knows. So when you got back, was it hard to transition back into normal everyday life? Um, I actually was expecting it to be hard, being my first time doing this. Um, but it was easier than I thought. I think the first week was a bit of a – it was very overwhelming because when you've only seen 19 people for 10 months um, 
and then you got back. I remember coming into Hobart, which is not a busy city. It's very <laughs> quiet. Yes. And I needed to do some shopping. I'm like, right, I need some jeans and a shirt and some shoes for dinner that night. And I was in the shop, the first shop, and the lady just walked up to me. And she's like, you look lost. And I was like, Aww. I am. <laughs> I'm so lost. I just didn't know how to do it. But I think the hardest part about coming back was small talk and not having have had small talk for so long and being able to talk to new people in that in that way. I feel like you've got the story though for any dinner party. Like it yeah. trumps all else. Yeah. You're sort of like yeah. no one else can so compare. What have you been up to the last year? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> where do I start? People don't, they just go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. What's so, people's first question? What was it like? Yeah. Yeah. And, like it's a, and it's the hardest question to answer because it is so much and so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, any other challenges when you did get back? Um, no, I think everyone's coming back is different. Like for me, I moved to a new city. So for me, it was more about settling into new, a new city as well. But other, but as for assimilating back to the real world, mm. um, I didn't really find it that difficult. Oh, the rest of your team? You see yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone seems to be all right. I think you, the first couple of weeks we definitely were really in touch, like – Oh, my God, I did this today or like I was at a bar, I went to the pub for lunch and when you're in Antarctica, you know, you finish dinner, you get everyone's plates and you go and wash it. And I found myself collecting people's plates (laughs) off the table and walking and then I went, wait, where am I going with these plates? (laughs) And I was just like, oh, I'll just put them on the bar. It's like a learnt behaviour. The waiter's like, thank you. No yeah. one does that. Or like not having to use your wallet for a year and then you're like, oh, I actually have to pay for this stuff. Or oh, yeah. not having to think about what to cook. And then I went into a supermarket and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what, what do I need to buy? Because yeah. I think I remember you saying you did a bit of online shopping while you were there. So you can do like you would go oh, online. Yeah, I had to just buy some stuff for the house but um, – just get it sent home. But that, other than that, that's all you really do. Cause, so you can't order stuff and get it shipped there? No, you like you could, but it would come at resupply when you're going home. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. It's a long time to wait. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. now you're promoting Women in Mining. You've been on the project and travelling all around Australia. Just Yeah, just women in trades and yep. empowering women in general, yeah. Not specifically mining. But okay. Yeah. How's it all been going? What's been the response yeah, it's been quite positive and at, at the end of the day I think I've, we've spoken about the whole gender equality and I think it's more about equity than equality. Um, but I think more women should do it if it's what they want to do and if it's what suits them. So, yep. yeah. Is there a growing presence of women? Oh, definitely. Trade? Like in my 11 years, 12 years, I've worked with a woman once and that was wow. in 2018. 2018 and it was only for like a couple of months and that's the only time I've ever worked alongside another female. I know there's plenty out there but personally haven't worked worked with any. So I know there is definitely a, a growing number of women in trades and it's great. It's great to see um, and I'm looking forward to seeing more and hopefully getting to work with some. Yeah. What do you think has been a barrier for more women wanting to get into that profession? I think mainly just not thinking that well maybe that trades aren't for women or that just not having the opportunity to do it I don't think it has anything to do with it anything other than that it's just that it wasn't what you did 
Um, it wasn't the stereotypical female job, I guess. But now that the younger generation are now seeing more of that, that it's becoming more of the norm that you can do and be whatever you want to be, regardless of what society says you should do. Yeah, absolutely. Amy, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing with us and all the best with the women in trade. Yeah. We'll um, catch you next time. Yes, thank you. See you guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Teach Me in 20. If you did and if you even just learned one thing, make sure you subscribe so each week you can learn something new with me. Bye.